morning, church. It's Alex, and I'm taking you to my little wilderness spot right now. This is where I go when the world just needs to fade away for a bit. It's kind of a sacred space for me, a kind of magical place of healing and restoration and stillness. I mean, you probably have places like this for yourself, right? You know, a place where you can finally tune out the world and hear God. <laughs> but honestly, lately, when I come here, this wilderness has kind of been nagging at me because it forces me to slow down and contend with reality. The wilderness can be dangerous at times, full of uncertainty, anxiety, and a mirror to what's really going on in the world. And I, you know, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like we're in a bit of a wilderness season. I mean, there's so much changing around us. I mean, we're in a pandemic. I didn't even know what that word meant eight months ago, and now it's becoming a part of everyday reality. We witness racial injustice, economic inequality, ecological devastation, and yet here I am about to preach some good news. <sighs> I wonder if that's how John the Baptist felt in the wilderness. I wonder if that's what the author we call Mark was thinking before he sat down to write his gospel. I imagine they felt some fear, some anticipation, hope, longing for the coming of Christ. I wonder if you're feeling that now. Because every year during Advent, we replay the story of Christ coming into the world over and over again. But somehow this year, it rings differently. I've had enough of this pandemic. I think John the Baptist had enough of the way things were. The gospel writer we call Mark had enough too, and yet they still had hope. But their hope wasn't grounded in some unrealistic hope or apocalyptic doom. It was found in a first century Palestinian rabbi named Jesus, the Christ. Something new was about to begin. And you know, I love how the person we call Mark starts his gospel. It, it kind of reminds me of Star Wars. It's like this grand opening, you know, like Star Wars. Here, let's read it. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, we heard this passage read earlier by the Palmer family. And I just love this grand opening from the author we call Mark because it's the good news, right? But to be honest, in Mark's time, all hell was breaking loose as he was writing. It's around 70 A.C.E. and during this time, Roman persecutions are at an all-time high. The Jewish war is breaking out with Rome. I mean, you know those big early church fathers of the faith? The Apostle Paul, Peter, those guys, well, they've just been executed. I mean, Christians are being tortured and crucified, fed to lions, set on fire to serve as torches at night. It's a freaking crazy time to follow Christ. This doesn't sound like good news. But still, Mark is proclaiming the beginning of the good news. He has a calling to tell the story of Jesus, the good news, 
or the Greek word euangelion, gospel. But this was pretty bold because in this period, the empire often used the word euangelion to refer to peace, prosperity, and the good life that came from a grand military victory. So euangelion was a military-like term. And son of God, which had many meanings too, but in Hellenistic understandings, son of God was often used to describe the emperor himself. So for Mark to say Jesus is the son of God and the good news is to challenge the entire Roman Empire. Now that's pretty bold, considering they were being executed left and right. Mark has every reason to hide, despair, give up hope, but instead he starts with this grand opening of a new beginning. He doesn't start with Jesus' genealogy or some kind of miraculous virgin birth or even angels trumpeting in the Christ. Instead, he begins with a condemnation of the Roman Empire. Jesus is the Son of God, not some wackadoodle empire or emperor who uses power to oppress. Mark declares a new beginning, a new creation free from empire. The beginning of the good news and his calling for a new beginning, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It has roots, deep roots. So let's continue. Verse 2. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is God telling Isaiah that something is going to happen. And last week, we heard Pastor Jason talk about the prophet Isaiah, a powerful prophet who'd been ripped from his land after the Assyrian invasion and Babylonian exile in the 8th century BCE. And Jason told us about Isaiah's anger and confusion ringing through. The lament of his people lifted up to God. The nation of Israel was torn apart. Yet what's really interesting, as one of my professors, the Hebrew Bible scholar Marvin Sweeney notes, he says, the book of Isaiah actually never portrays a ruined or destroyed Jerusalem. From the book's standpoint, Jerusalem is always going to be the holy city bound to God. You see, Isaiah knew deep down that this wasn't the end of the story, and God prophesied through him that a new beginning would emerge. So Isaiah is calling people back, calling people back to Judea to prepare for someone who would make the path clear for the coming of the Messiah. Now, Isaiah, he had no idea that it would take some 700 years for his prophecy to come true. But he knew deep down that regardless of what was happening, God is always responding and creating new potentials, new beginnings. He knew it wasn't the end. It was just another beginning. So another 200 years pass, and the Hebrew Bible is complete, or what we call the Old Testament, which, by the way, can be offensive to the Jewish tradition, so we'll just call it the Hebrew Bible. So imagine the people of God. They've got this book that's complete, the Hebrew Bible, 
And now they're just waiting for the Messiah to come, hoping for something to break them out of their misery. 700 years since Isaiah and 500 years since the completion of the Hebrew Bible and everyone is left wondering, is that it? Surely this can't be it, right God? Well, suddenly out of the wilderness, the silence is broken and out comes our next character in God's evolving story. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. <laughs> so, okay, wait, wait, wait. So we've been waiting 500 years for something new to emerge, and this is who we get? John the Baptist? I mean, this guy sounds crazy. He's clothed in camel's hair, wears a weird leather belt around his waist, he eats locusts? The things God used to plague Pharaoh with? He's just in the wilderness by himself yelling out to people to repent! I mean, what is going on here? I mean, honestly, imagine, imagine if I just come out of my house today, dressed like that, marched back here and started yelling at all my neighbors to come out and repent. Do you think they would? Would you? I mean, this is a bold move of God. Surely God's messenger would be better dressed. He'd be powerful, a religious elite, strong, probably rich, right? Nope. John's world was full of persecution from Rome. The world he experienced was a little like ours in some ways. First century Rome was made up of either wealthy, about 3% of the population, or poor people, about 90%. It's kind of like the 1% today, those with more than 1 million who own 44% of the world's wealth. 44% of the entire world's wealth. In John and Jesus' time, about 28% of the people did not know if they would survive daily. Kind of sounds like the 30 million or more Americans right now who are depending on unemployment benefits some of which are already expiring because of the pandemic. Meanwhile, according to places like Vox, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon's net worth increased by 13 billion in one day. One day. John was not the 1%. John is a man living on the fringes of society, far from the halls of power who first points to God's coming grace. I mean, this is the kind of message that not only belongs to the oppressed, but also comes from the oppressed themselves. John was the one God called to announce the coming of Christ. And while the religious elite and the powers to be ridiculed John, John knew he had a calling and people responded. But why did people respond? I mean, what benefit 
did they receive? You see, when I approach this question from a place of privilege, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. But when I imagine the story from a place of oppression, the hope of God starts to emerge. Because most of these people had nothing, nothing to hold on to but the hope of God. The hope of a new beginning, a new community birthed from the depths of their oppression. They also felt the divine calling, a voice calling from the wilderness, a godly melody pulling them into a new reality. In some ways, this was their only hope, something beyond their oppression, a vaccine from an oppressive plague that robbed them of their dignity, their worth and value. This was the hope of something new. And John's following starts to grow. I mean, his following grew and grew, and pretty soon he had a whole set of his own disciples. They're probably thinking, hey, maybe this would be the one, the Messiah, the new liberator of history. But John was simply setting the stage for the real revelation of God, Jesus. So let's pick it up back at verse uh, 7. John proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so wait, there's, there's more beyond this whole baptism thing we're all doing? And, and, and what do you mean you're not worthy? I mean, if you're not worthy, then I'm probably not worthy, right? You see, a lot of times when... When Christians approach this text, it's all about individual sin, what you're doing wrong in your life, how you have to say this particular prayer and do that certain thing to be accepted by God. I mean, all right, you know how it goes. Sometimes we get so caught up in the minute specifics of theology and doctrine, mostly decided by white males and places of power, right, instead of the locus of oppression itself, that we miss the whole freaking message. Pretty soon that exciting new adventure you were on turns into this painful introspection of all the ways you're falling short. You might feel dirty, unworthy, like you can't get anything right. You feel controlled instead of liberated. Well, that's not what John or Jesus was about. That's not what God is about. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, Sin is, is very real, and so is the power of baptism. In fact, Pastor Jason's done some amazing sermons on baptism, but for our time here, to put it really simply, sin is just doing something wrong that has consequences. And sin is not just personal, it's corporate and systemic too. So the concept of baptism is a very powerful thing. It's a It's a turning away from sin, a public confession and commitment to a new way of being within a new community. But baptism itself wasn't the new thing that John was making way for. Because there were already Jewish religious sects who practiced baptism like the Essenes, who were the ascetic desert sect best known for creating the Dead Sea Scrolls. They baptized for ritual purity and also baptism of repentance. In fact, John was probably very familiar with their way of life, and he may have been a part of their community. But John took it way further. 
creating a new beginning by claiming that the one who would come after him would not baptize with water, but with the Holy Spirit. This was a new beginning. John had a much bigger message beyond your sin. So when, when John talks about Jesus and says, you know, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals, there's something more significant going on here. In fact, the word worthy in Greek is ikavok, which means not sufficient or not enough. Again, baptism wasn't new, but this concept of a Holy Spirit baptism was. So I don't think John is saying, um, I'm not worthy in a self-deprecating way that we have to take on. No, I think, I think John's saying, hey, yes, be free of your sin, repent, get baptized. But that's just the start. It's not enough. What I'm doing is not sufficient. You have to do something with that freedom. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you now through Christ. The one who's coming is going to take this story much further than I ever could. The power of liberation is coming. And this is just the beginning. You see, this uh, baptism of repentance, the forgiveness of sin, it always has a future thrust to it. There's always an aim from God beyond the sin itself. And that future aim is born from forgiveness. It's, it's, it's not just for your sake, but it's for the wider community, the world at large. It's a call towards a new beginning. And this is what I really want you to hear today. Just as John was called to prepare the way for something new, God's calling us to do the same. Advent is a reminder of the God call. God called humanity into a new way of living through Christ, foretold by prophets like Isaiah, clear by John, revealed through Christ, and continued through us in God. We don't, we don't celebrate something that's already been done. We celebrate the continuation, the evolution of the God call through us. We're not simply celebrating the birth of Christ, but the rebirth of Christ every time we step into a God calling. God is still working with the world as it is to guide it towards what it might be. And if we're honest, it's not hard to see that this is not the world God envisions for us. Again, we're facing an apocalypse of sorts, and that's not an end-time exaggeration, it's real. Our planet's about to give out. Our country's more divided than ever. Racial inequality continues to gnaw at the fabric of our humanity and a pandemic rages throughout our world. To, throughout our world. I mean, to put it bluntly, we're in some deep crap. But weirdly, this is somehow nothing new. 
because Isaiah, John, and Jesus, they were all facing their own forms of oppression too. And when Jesus came on the scene, it was an incredibly unique time in history. Well, this moment now is also an incredibly unique time in our history. Remember how I said it was 500 years from the Hebrew Bible to the start of John the Baptist clearing the way for Jesus? Well, there's a pattern here. Every 500 years, the church goes through a revolution. In fact, uh, Phyllis Tickle, uh, author of The Great Immersion, she famously made this connection. She saw this pattern so clearly. Uh, For instance, about 500 years ago, we had the Protestant or Great Reformation, 500 years before that, you had the Great Schism, where the church divided between East and West. 500 years earlier, you have uh, Pope Gregory the Great, who helped bring the church out of the Dark Ages. Well, we are now in a new 500-year period. Right now, we are being called into new beginnings. And this baptism of the Holy Spirit is calling us towards liberation. And I, I think you sense that. I mean, Pastor Jason just led us through an incredible 2023 mission listening process where after hearing from so many of you in the church about the future of where we're headed, it became so clear that as a congregation, we're deeply concerned with the issues that the world is facing right now. You've indicated that we're ready to start addressing racism with anti-racism programs, We're prepared to welcome diverse communities in fresh ways, uh, continue providing for our neighbors without homes. I mean, when the pandemic hit, we got to work, completely changed our service, and we started growing through online offerings like this that you're watching right now. We adjusted Sarah's Hope Food Pantry to make sure people could still get food. We listened to you. We kept each other safe by not having in-person services. When George Floyd breathed his last breath, we re-energized our Justice Works team. We joined with faith communities around the city to literally stop Oceanside from hiring the new chief of police in unjust ways. Through our influence, they, they paused the hiring process completely. They created a community survey that over a thousand people responded to when there wouldn't have ever been one. And... Most importantly, they decided to open up the search nationwide for the new chief of police. Instead of picking from their own inner circle, we help make that happen. The power of Christ lives in us. And if we are to authentically carry out this call, it's clear that our faith must address the problems of our time. The church, the the people of God, anyone who senses the spirit within them can create new beginnings. So how do we get there? I think by, by trusting God and looking towards the needs of the world. By stepping into the wilderness without knowing the exact way, by But yes, getting real about our sin as individuals, communities, and nations at large by tearing down the systems of oppression that keep our brothers and sisters bound, by following the flow of the Spirit, paying attention to that that tug, that hunch, that 
intuition, that light bulb moment calling you forward to liberate and create more flourishing for all entities. The earth, humans, animals, all things. By doing all of that, we continue to make the path clear for God's reign on earth. This is what Jesus did. It's what John cleared the way for. And while we may be in a wilderness of sorts, it's also in this wilderness that we can hear God's call to begin again. Advent is a time of God's calling. And look, I don't know what God is calling you into this season, but something new can emerge through this community if we step out together. God is calling, and it's time to answer. Will you pray with me? Loving God, thank you for this passage, this, this heroic beginning to a new start, even in the midst of chaos and crisis and turmoil. God, you have shown us that you are always responding, receiving the world, and bringing us into the story. We thank you for your calling. We ask for you to help us discover the ways in which we are called. We know stepping into the wilderness isn't easy, Lord, but we know it's where we are meant to go. So help us, be with us. Continue to show us how we can love this world and our neighbors like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi everyone, my name is Daniel Meske. I'm a board member and the treasurer at Oceanside Sanctuary Church. I'd like to thank everyone for the incredible amount of time, effort, energy, and finances that people have given towards the church this year. It's just absolutely been awesome during a time when we've got the pandemic going on. People have just been over the top and very generous. We appreciate that immensely. We continue with our mission, which is to take care of people that are oppressed and homeless. Uh, Sarah's Hope continues to feed 100 people a month. Uh, the homeless community uh, counts on us to take care of them with food, with housing, with various uh, activities and services which we direct them to. Uh, Without the support and the help that uh, you people have given us, we would not be where we're at today. The staff at the church, which is Jason, the pastor, Janelle, his wife, and Alex, the associate pastor, have just worked tirelessly to continue to provide the environment that we have, uh, which is just absolutely incredible. We ask that uh, during the month of December is a month that we are looking to raise $25,000 to help continue to do the things that we're doing uh, with the community, with our church, and uh, all the activities that are going on. You look at, uh, we've got a men's group, we've got a book club going on, 
We've got various activities for youth, and all those things are necessary and helpful, and especially during the time we're in. If you need any help whatsoever, please contact us at the church. And I would encourage you to consider giving a little extra during this month of December. Have an incredible Advent season. Have an awesome holiday season. Please stay safe. God bless. Peace be with you. Before we let you go, we have a couple of announcements for you. Uh, first off, if you are new, we really want to connect with you. So could you please go to OceansideSanctuary.org forward slash connect and fill out a contact information form so that we can be in touch with you, get to know you, maybe Zoom with you. Um, secondly, we have a book club starting. This book is called Trouble I've Seen. It's going to start December 10th at 6.30 over Zoom. And this is a pretty heavy book. We, as a church, have committed to learning about racial issues and educating ourselves. And so we're going to do just that with this book. It is written by Drew G.I. Hart. And he is going to teach us and give us some framework about what's going on with racial issues, with white supremacy, and he's going to offer us some concrete practices for churches that want to seek solidarity with the oppression and are committed to racial justice, which we are. So we are going to um, delve into this book. If you would like to sign up, go to OceansideSanctuary.org forward slash calendar, and there you will see how you can sign up and don't be afraid of Zoom if you haven't done it. You probably have, but if you haven't, go for it. It's um, going to be a great book club. Third, we sent everybody that we have in our database an email about our Advent activities and meditations. But if you didn't get that email or you don't know where it is in your email box, you can simply go to our website and see that we have a whole host of things you can do from home that are going to prepare your heart and your mind for this Advent season. Um, it actually already started, but don't worry about that. You can still move right in and you have an activity through January 6th, which is through Epiphany. So the other exciting thing is, is we have somebody who has been attending our church um, named Father Larry Hart, who is a brilliant, lovely man. And he has written a book recently called Advent Meditations for a World on the Brink. Sounds like us. And he is going to be ge generously sharing with us this information on his book. So um, you can find all of that at the OceansideSanctuary.org. <sighs> okay. Number four, I know this is a lot, please bear with me. Christmas Eve and Carols um, is going to be online this year. I know, but we wanna be safe. We don't want anyone to get sick. So on the 24th at 4 p.m., you can watch a very special Christmas Eve service on Facebook or YouTube. And 
please plan on singing a few carols in front of your TV. It might feel weird, but it does. it's fun. Think about us all doing it together, having your candles ready. We'll all light a candle in our homes and um, it will still be beautiful and lovely. And we hope that you can do that with us. Again, that's on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. And then finally, um, some of you have called me and said, hey, what are you doing for the families that have been regularly attending the pantry um, and who have some food insecurity for Christmas? And of course, we will do a lovely box of food for each one of our families. But one thing that we really like to do every year is provide each family uh, with a gift card. And even better than that, I have all the names of all of the kids who are under the age of 18 that are receiving food through our program. It's a dream of mine to be able to give every one of those parents a $25 gift card for each one of their kids. Um, so that they can go out and pick presents for their children that they know they're going to love and that those presents can actually be from those parents. Um, that's a real heart of mine that we're not going out and buying a football for Johnny um, and it's from us. We really want to give a gift card to mom and dad and then mom and dad or grandma can go out and pick out those presents and it can be from them because the pantry is about empowering our families and our seniors to um, take care of themselves and just get a little bit of our assistance instead of us feeling like we took care of them. So um, if you are interested in giving a $25 gift card, there's a couple of ways you can do it. Number one, you can go to the pantry page on our website, oceansidesanctuary.org, go to the pantry and you can just put in the amount you'd like to give and I will go out and buy those gift cards. So that's your first option. Second option is to go buy gift cards yourself. Um, if you do that, I ask that they be at easy access places like Walmart, Target, uh, one of those spots and um, bring them to me on Monday. I'm there every Monday between 9.30 and two o'clock. So um, we'd like to pass out these gift cards on the 14th and the 21st, so we've hit all of our clients. Anyway, if you have any questions, feel free to email me as well. We hope you have a great week and God bless you.